rebuilding job. Energy. You know, glad to see you. Hello. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. Follow us at Tottenham Depot. You can follow me at a Stedka. Uh, two games to talk about today in Antonio Conte's debut for Spurs as they draw nil-nil away to Everton and then got the win on Thursday in the Europa Conference League. We are going to dive into both of those matches and much more about the start of the Conte era at Spurs. And I've got two of my favorites here to do it. But with me, first we'll go out to Scott up in Seattle at DSM Spurs. Scott, what's going on, my friend? Not much, man. Good old Sunday. Spurs played. Going to get some Chipotle. Play some FIFA. Great day ahead. Chipotle, not a sponsor of the Tottenham Depot, but they are more than welcome to ch- to, to jump on if they would like to. Uh, no we free need, they are. We've also Indeed, got Todd. We've also got Todd with us. At TC underscore Cachot on Twitter. What's going on, my friend? What's up, gentlemen? Any day that we get to talk about Tottenham getting some away points in the Premier League uh, is a good day. And these were ugly, ugly singular points. But it, regardless, it's a good day. Indeed it is. Uh, a little bit of pod business before we uh, get rolling here. I, I mentioned you can follow us at Tottenham Depot on Twitter. You can also do the same on Instagram because we're on there now as well, posting a little bit of content for you as well uh gentlemen antonio conte is uh, off and running at spurs two games under the belt and it's been the same starting 11 in each um let's let's start there because i think we all kind of wondered when conte came in you know who, who was going to be his his first choice 11 and i don't know that that this 11 that we've seen in these first two matches is going to be the same 11 we see after the international break but it's what we have to start on so obviously hugo Lloris in goal and then Three center backs, uh, Christian Romero, Eric Dyer, and Ben Davis on the left. Uh, and then the wing backs, Emerson and Reggion, I think fairly expected. Poibier and Skip in that midfield, and then a front three of Lucas Kane and Son. Um, we're going to get a lot into formation talk and personnel and all those kinds of things today. But, um, Scott, your first impression on Antonio Conte's choice 11 to start to start off in his reign at Tottenham. Yeah, I mean, I expected – Expected what we got. Same lineup as Thursday. I think the biggest thing I've been trying to figure out is if he's going to use a three-five-two or a three-four-three, and we went with that three-four-three again today. I wasn't terribly surprised, um, and I didn't really expect any changes. So I think, I think right now he's trying to figure out what his best eleven is, and that's going to take some consistency. So I think we're just seeing that. Todd, you want to jump in on that? And, and, and yeah, man, I, I mean, he's playing the, the best players that he has available at his disposal at the current moment in time in, in terms of the system that he can roll out there for two games to get him to the international break to where he can do the meticulous planning that he's going to do to start to orchestrate things the way that he wants to. I mean, we all know that Antonio Conte is the type of guy that will work tirelessly to win one match. Um, so clearly he's going to spend a lot of time analyzing what he's seen over these first couple of matches and figure out the best way to, uh, to bring this team forward. Um, I don't know. Other than that, man, I, 
I mean, we'll come on to it, Andrew, but it's just I you know, we're saying that it's a 3-4-3, but the way that I watched this match, it looks like it looked like a 3-5-2 a lot of the day with mm-hmm. with Mora dropping back to play right. that cam roll. Mm-hmm. And he's Luke somebody put in the chat, it might have been Scotty, Lucas gonna Lucas. And he Lucas his ass off all first half. And it was, it, you know, everybody was, you know, pocket-sized. This, he's pocket-sized Adama Traore, right? It's all fun and games until he's got to come up with a final product and then it's suspect. Right. Yeah, no, you're, yep. you're exactly right. And I think that's where the... I think that's where the biggest divide comes. Look, the the, the differences between a three four three and a three five two are are negligible, but they are important when you talk about the middle of the pitch, and they are important when you talk about that that final piece of creativity, like you mentioned, with with whether it's Lucas creating it or is it someone else. And that's the biggest thing for me because, and and Scott and I went back and forth a lot about this in in the group chat all morning. Um, for me, in this formation and, and, and with these tactics that Antonio Conte likes to play, if you have three up front, you are relying a whole hell of a lot on wingbacks in Reggion and Emerson Royale to create things wide. And those <coughs> are two guys that have not really done this work yet. And, and it's early days, so so that's understandable. No, but it's not. Like, I, I need to bring that up. I, I I mean, they are who they are. Reggie's been here over a year. Like, we're looking at this going, the final product has never really, truly been there consistently. And the other thing that really struggles that, that I really – with Reggie, I, I'm I'm truly saying that I, sure. I, we have, a, we have a, a large enough book of business to kind of judge his success rate. And as we're looking at it, it's not as high as we'd want it to be. The other thing about Reggie that I'm really struggling with is his inability to show the finishing that he showed uh, at Sevilla. Like, it's it's something where when we're seeing him come to that back post on that Harry Kane chance, now, granted, it's hard to kind of, like, keep that ball down. Shubon mentioned that. You probably got to go studs in and hope for the best. And, um, Andrew, you're a better finisher than most of the guys in this pod right now. So, I mean, you probably weigh in on that better than we can. But uh, what I would say is that there's been several opportunities to where – you were hoping for more at the back post from Reggie and he just hasn't delivered. It's certainly no Marcus Alonso, uh, which, which that play was designed for today. Or even Deli Alley for that matter. Deli Alley's back post finishing is incredible. I wouldn't be mad if we threw him out on a wing to, to make somebody angry for a couple of days uh, because we're certainly not getting that type of run or consistent effort out of our wingbacks right now. And Royale, and we've talked about this at length, he's my biggest question mark under Conte, Andrew, because he's defensively sound as can be, and he's great taking players on, but the finishing product has always been suspect. There's a reason why why Barcelona let him go. Mm-hmm. I, I, I guess when it comes to both of those guys, I'm willing to I'm willing to wait a while. I'm willing to see what Antonio Conte can do coming in to coach those guys up and, and see what, what product will be. Um, I think there's room for growth in both of them where, where it comes back to me, where, where there's an issue is if you are playing with that quote unquote front three with, with Sun Kane and Lucas, there's nothing in the midfield to create with. Unless you're going to slide Lucas back there, and that's, and what we, that's where the problem becomes. Well, and what we saw in the second half was then Kane dropping deeper, and then it negates the best number nine in the league. Well, I mean, the the front three were all interchanging, dropping back, <clears throat> trying to be that creative presence. So, 
I and I, I regardless of how we actually set up, like the wingbacks are crucial either way. Three four three, three five two, it doesn't matter. Like the wingbacks are are everything, right? In this formation. So I think the the idea here with this formation is if you're playing the three four three, the wings are expected to drop back back, create and the create overlapping opportunities for the wingbacks. We didn't see enough of that today, right? If we want to stick Tongi behind that cane and sun, it's going to be the same exact thing. Tongi's going to have to receive the ball and then either play it out wide or play it forward. So it's all about the wingbacks, regardless of how we set up in the midfield. It really doesn't matter. The wingbacks just weren't good enough today. They weren't creating enough overlap. And that was my biggest piece to, to everything I was seeing in the chat today is everyone was doing their job correctly bar the wingbacks and that allowed us that took us away from being able to execute a final product because we progressed the ball significantly better than I've seen in a long time. We created chances. We actually did terrible, terrible finishing, but we created chances, right? So a lot of things that have been significantly missing for a long time were there today. The wingbacks just were not creating enough overlapping opportunity with Sun and Lucas and it put Lucas in a tough spot often which, you know, people are, are yapping about Lucas, but when you're in that position and there's not enough overlap, you're just kind of fucked every time you receive the ball, right? So um, it's all about those wingbacks. So, so, so that's where I have to disagree and push back with you a little bit, though, Scott, because you say if, if, if you're in this system, the midfield doesn't matter, but it, it still matters. You can't just give up the midfield and get overrun in the midfield. What, what, what do you mean? What am I, wouldn't I say the midfield doesn't matter? I feel like you're stretching. I don't know. Four, Forty-five seconds ago, you said the midfield doesn't really matter. It's all, you're, you have to rely on the wingbacks. Everything has to come from yeah, the wingback. That's all I'm saying. Like regardless, of, but all I'm saying is regardless of whether you play a three-five-two or a three-four-three, you're going to have to rely on better play from their wingbacks. Like we can we can play a three-five-two, but if the wingbacks don't overlap well enough and don't have a final product, it's not going to matter. That's all I'm saying. The midfield is. It's not that the midfield doesn't matter. I'm just saying. However, you set up in the midfield without overlapping play from the wingbacks that's efficient enough, we're not gonna we're not gonna do anything, which is exactly what we saw today. That's 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 fair, but but if you at least put a more creative midfielder on the pitch, you give more of an outlet to, to for, other than Lucas. You know, Lucas Mora is not that guy. He's 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 just not set out. He's not a he's not a, a central attacking midfielder. He's better at running down the wing and and doing those kinds of things. Um, and and if yes. you put a you, if you put a more creative midfielder on somebody like Tangi and Dombele or Giovanni Lacelso, I'm not saying those are the best options, but they're probably the best options Spurs have at the moment. You 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 relieve some of that pressure that is on the wingbacks. To, and and look, the wingbacks are still going to have to do work. Obviously, I'm not saying that that, that 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 there's no responsibility for them. But if you provide something else in midfield other than Hoybier and Skip, who are both you know, both have more defensive responsibilities. You can get something else going in, in, in the midfield and, and give your, you're, you're essentially surrendering the entire middle of the pitch. If you don't have anyone there to be able to create anything going forward. And that's, I guess, and again, all the caveats go into place here. We're talking about Antonio Conte. who has been on the job less a week, less than a week. It's not like he's had a lot of time to work this stuff out. Um, And it's not like he has the perfect personnel that he's going to have. You know, we hope, in another few months but in that scenario i just i don't want to see tottenham giving up on a whole middle section of the pitch which is where they really got overrun especially in the second half today i mean they they created a lot more in the the first half offensively than they did in the second half i mean i mean go go ahead scott 
No, no, no. I, no, I was just going to say, I, I think I do agree with you 100% that Tongi sitting behind the strikers is going to be effective, more effective than what we saw today. But I also don't think that it's the midfield job to relieve pressure on the wingbacks. It's the wingbacks job to re- relieve pressure on the midfield, right? And well, they, they, work, they work synonymously, though. They, they do, but the way this formation is set up, you're going you're going to want your creative midfielder to relieve pressure for the wingbacks much more so than the opposite. And why I think Tongi is going to be so good in this position, and what you're going to hear me say at some point today is we just need to play, play a through two with Tongi tucking behind Kane and Son because that person, that, that Tongi will say, is supposed to sit in the pocket receive the ball, hold the ball, distribute the ball. And what Lucas is going to do is receive the ball and look to drive the ball rather than holding the ball up and looking to play it out wide to the flanks. Now, the flanks weren't good enough today anyways. They weren't giving him any of those opportunities to do so, but Lucas's instinct is always going to be to drive forward. Tongi will receive the ball, he'll hold the ball, he'll spin out of pressure, and he'll find these fullbacks in theory or these wingbacks rather wide open to create opportunities. So I think we're just going to have to work through it, but night and day better from a ball progressing standpoint without question. And we just got a lot of kinks to work out right now. I mean, I guess that's fair. I agree with the Tommy piece. I think that that's the missing link here. I don't think Lucas Mora is long for this side in terms of a Conte system going forward. But the other piece that I think that can't be overlooked here, and it's something Andrew that I know that they were going to come on to maybe now um, is that I, we really struggled going from, uh, defense to attack. Yep. I felt that there were, you know, a few far more than I wanted to see Romero long balls that went wanting out to sun on the flank. Even Hoybier had a few that were going in that direction. The timing was off. The ball was misweighted. We struggled. I feel like Hoybier and Skip are essentially paying the same position. And we've talked about this at length previously, but what we're really missing is someone to, I don't want to call it a direct box to box midfielder, but someone to be able to legitimately take it from defense to attack. Uh, Now we've been linked with a few folks and we're going to come on to that later, but to your point earlier, Andrew, Tongi and Gio, Gio Lacelso has not been good enough in a Tottenham shirt for me to want to see him stick around. I, I, I don't disagree with you. I don't he, disagree he, with he, you at all. He proved that again today. Literally, I put in the chat like the heaviest touch in Argentinian history. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's so bad. Mm-hmm. Well, and the funny thing is, he also had probably Spurs' best chance when he rang rang the post uh, yeah. late in the match, which is which is hilarious because you're right. He was not good and has not been good for a while. Um, he and he and Tangi and Dumbly have been linked a lot, not only because they came in at the same time, but because they both are midfielders and they're both, you know, but they're very, very different players. And you're right. Yeah. I think for this system specifically, when you're talking about that, that ball progressor, that guy that can link defense to, to attack, I do think Tongi and Dambale has that in his toolbox. And will and, he work hard enough to stay in Conti's side? And that is the question that mm-hmm. remains the, the big issue, you know, that, that, that needs to be discussed. For, for, for the long term and but 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 i think you're right you know that is the problem that i've had you know you guys meant like or scott mentioned and and you know dakota in our group chat was mentioning this too that the ball ball progression was better today i i don't know man I, certainly in the first half it looked a little better and on thursday it looked a little better in the second half today 
I think we got our ass beat by an Everton side that was very out of form and not very good. And, you know, we can, we can come on to the, the penalty shout if you want to talk, uh, the, the VAR review, which was not a penalty, but it was close to being a penalty. Like, you know, Spurs got a little fortunate today to not, you know, drop all three points and at least get a point there. I mean, th- th- that was not a very good Everton team whatsoever. And they, they kind of, especially in that final 45 minutes, they kind of, I don't know, I, I feel like they beat Spurs ass, frankly. Yeah, I'm mute. You're on mute, Todd. Uh, you say that, but we had the Reguillon chance and the Celso chance in the second half, and I can't really speak to other than a penalty shot. I can't really speak to a, a legitimate chance that they had in the second half. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm looking at this going, you're not wrong. We did get overrun in the midfield in the second half. That's kind of my biggest issue, is especially when they get tired. Let's, uh, uh, Skip and Hoybier have a tendency to sit back and hang out next to Eric Dyer and, and chat a little bit. Uh, that's just kind of their nature. And when you have both players doing that at the same point in time, that's always a, sp- a safe space for a CDM to, to catch a breather. But when you got both of those dudes doing that instinctively, it kind of leaves your attack in a little bit of disarray. So I have to say this, and I don't want to, but I have to. Um, there's way more in common with Everton for Spurs than anybody really wants to talk about. It's, oh, I, it's, that's, I don't even think that's a controversial statement, Todd. It, well, good. I'm glad we're on the same page because Jesus, it was like the Spider-Man meme for a large yes. portion of that well, game. I think mm-hmm. that's been the case for many, many years. Well, it's just we're toothless. And so, I mean, out, outside of the fact that Spurs have kind of like in the past five years, the Spurs have had more upward trajectory for a brief period of time there under Mauricio Pochettino, like as a whole. Well, we have better players. Also, you don't, there's we, not a single person on their roster that would, you would compare with Son and Kane. Or, mm-hmm. Son, Son, Son and Kane in form right now? Maybe, but, but overall, Come on. No, you're, I mean, right. you're not even, you're not even going to put Richarlison in the same conversation and he's obviously their best attacker. So well, like, uh, we do need to talk <laughs> about the fact that Son and Kane, however, look, the service is when they're issue. not firing. When but they're not firing, to they your are point. not fire. They are not firing right now. Neither. No. Them. And it is. And bad. when they're not, we suffer because. And we, as we talked about in the group chat, and I asked Dakota after the Thursday game, like how many how many goals do we have off the bench? Mm-hmm. If yes. they're not coming from Kane, Lucas, or 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 Son, I mean, I think right. Hoybier's got two goals on Hoybier the other. Yeah. Hoybier has one or two, and I think Tangi has one or two. Yeah, and the, the rest of it, you're just going. You look over at the bench, and you're like looking for someone to impact the game and you bring on Giovanni Lo Celso. Right. Fuck. That's not great. You're right. Well, it's just, we it's don't have great. like, this is what I, this is what I think of. If you remember a few years ago um, where we played Chelsea in the FA cup semifinal and he didn't start uh, <laughs> Hazard or Conte. And you look over at the bench or over at the touchline at 65 minutes and, and we're pressing and we, we've knocked on the door a couple of times and Eden Hazard and Gallo Conte are standing on the touchline and you're just like, fuck, we have no answer to that. I want to have subs where they have no answer to them. And this squad just does not have that right now. So 
I'm not upset with Antonio Conte. I think that he's coming into a situation that was a giant shit sandwich and has been for the last three years, and he's just trying to figure out what condiments he wants to put on it for the rest of the season to make it taste okay. Well, and that's that's exactly why I say things were progressively better today, and 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 they were, and it wasn't great, but they were progressively better today, and ma- namely because we had a fucking plan. Like what our plan right now for ball from from a ball progression standpoint is not happening enough, right? We are seeing too many long balls. But the idea is that you recover the ball high. One of those two midfielders gets the ball either wide quickly. If wide quickly is not there, you get it to your cam, right? And then the cam's job is to get it wide. Like either the CDMs get it wide. If it's not there on a quick break, you get it to the cam. The cam gets it wide, right? We're just not seeing enough of that, but there's a plan there. And it's going to take more than five days to get that plan firing is like all I was saying today, right? We Conte came in and in fucking five days, had a plan and they talked about in one of the Spurs interviews, Spurs TV interviews recently, um, a training session and how he, he's literally spent like two days with the team, just having Hugo roll the ball out. And then you say, you have the ball. Okay. You either do this or this, you have two options and you need to make the best choice. And that's exactly what I just described, right? We have a plan. It's very simple. Conte came in and said, this team is full of fucking homers that all need to be sold. I need upgrades. Obviously, I have to assume he was promised those upgrades, right, if he came here. But it's all about keeping it extremely simple. You receive the ball, you do one of two things. You receive the ball, you do one of two things. Today, our fullbacks did not do their job well enough. Our wingbacks, sorry, did not do their job well enough. And it stagnated that first or second choice for a lot of the guys today. Lucas did not do a good enough job. Neither did Son, but they were hampered by that, right? And so as long as we keep doing that, we're going to be just fine, and it's going to take more than five right? That's like my best synopsis of what we saw today that I can give you. Look, I, I get that better days are ahead and I agree with you. Antonio Conte has been in this club less than a week, but when you're talking about Spurs as a whole right now, you're talking about nine premier league goals in 11 games. And that is with, bad. with the, with the skill players that they have, that is very, very bad. And four of those nine goals have come from Youngman's son, one from Harry Kane, one from Pierre-Emile Hodier, one from Tangi Ndombele, and one from Deli Alley on a penalty, and he's not even sniffing the team right now, really. Uh, mm-hmm. So it, that is pretty, 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 pretty bad. Pretty, pretty bad. Um, especially yep. when you consider that they and, – and look, the clean sheet uh, you know, at Goodison Park is, is something to build on. That's a good thing. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not poo-pooing. How many that. clean sheets do we have in the league this year, Andrew? Not many. I that might be our first one, I think. Uh, if, if memories, no, that's not true because City, we won the first. Right? Three, we won the first three matches uh, one nil. Yeah. So, so we haven't se- we haven't seen that in about six weeks, my guy. Right. We haven't uh-huh. seen that. We haven't seen that since the very beginning of the season. Um, Shit, we got splashed on Thursday by Vitesse. Like right. To 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 look a, a Premier League side in the face, and they were sexy goals too. We'll come on to it. To look a Premier League side in the face for ninety five minutes. And not yield is is your absolutely right, Andrew. Something to build. It is, but 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 the other pro- like like I said, and I said this at the beginning of the season in our in a lot of our preseason pods. My biggest concern about this club was the Sun Kane ultimate obvious regression that was going to come because they were never going to do what they did last year. We all know that. Where were the goals going to come from? Not only have the goals not come, this team has been 226 minutes in the Premier League without a shot on target. That is. That's, that's 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 really, Norwich numbers. 
that's really, really bad. That's <laughs> really, really bad. No, no, no. And it is. And, uh, you know, I joke, but I mean, Norwich even beat Brentford today 2-0. Um, yeah, and then, but sa- and then sacked is, their manager. So. Well, I mean, that guy, uh, he did not not deserve it. Um, so, <laughs> listen, so did ours. Those yeah. 226 minutes, you can't you can't hang on Antonio Conte. Uh, you, you can't. No, hang you on cannot. Side. You, you can't hang on Ryan Mason if you really want to. But I mean, that guy just kind of has a face for a beating. So it, you know, it is what it is. Uh, <laughs> no, man. Uh, uh, shout to Ryan for for being able to to maintain a place and, and being the only guy on the previous staff not to get fired. Um, what I <laughs> what I will say about this is that. If our side looks like this at the end of the season, we're relegation form. Like, we just are. Sure. Uh, however, <sighs> Paratici, sir, Paratici, is someone w- in whom I trust greatly at this stage of the game. And I think that um, he will uh, help Steve Hitchin get over his fear of January and we will do some things this year that will actually make this side look a lot more formidable. And I think realistically you need two pieces here. I think you need two pieces. I think you need someone off the bench that scares people in in terms of, of goals. Like honestly, even if Vinny was over on the bench right now, I would be like, Oh, okay. That guy knows what the back of the net feels like in the premier league. I can get behind that. But we yeah. don't even have anybody like that. But couldn't couldn't that be someone like Lucas Mora? No, no, it couldn't. And the reason why is because when you get the the thing that I want out of that person that I'm talking about is someone to just has a nose for the back of the goal. Lucas okay. Mora wants to be fucking have a cape on his back and be super Lucas. And I have no time for super Lucas. Like I just I, I just. We know what happens in the Premier League with Super Lucas. You get VAR'd off your shoulder and it ends up being right. a, a card or you don't get a pen or whatever the fuck. We, I don't need Super Lucas. We know what that guy does. I need. I don't I disagree need, with you. I just wanted to ask the question. Yes, I need uh, Dusan Vlavic from, from Fiorentina. That's who I need. I, mean, I need somebody with his shirt off, but I don't know what else he does other than that's hot. I mean, Score. other than banging goals in Syria, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, a lot, lot of lot of them, lot of them on penalties too, though. Okay, Andrew. So let's have this conversation because we're going to go this route. I'm saying let's grab somebody from a different country where uh, Paratici and Conte's name really carries favor. They can come off of the bench and do some nasty stuff as one of my guys. Okay, I bring up this guy because I know he's he's in our budget. Right, and I know that he's somebody who will the names that we have in our front office will curry favor. Um, but the other guy that we need is a creative midfielder. We need somebody who can affect the game in that fashion. And unfortunately, I don't know that we're going to be able to pull that trigger in January. I think we're going to have to wait till the summer for that. Mm-hmm. I tend to agree with you, and and I also don't even know that. It sounds like you're talking about more of a striker rather than. I, I need someone. Well, I need I need a I need a cam, which I think that's the summer. I think we can get a striker, and I think we can get like a. I'm not saying we can get Casilla because I think we can get him in the like a pre contract for the summer or whatever because he's on a free. But like Casilla from from AC Milan, but I mean, mm-hmm. I realistically we need somebody that we can bring on the bench with some fucking teeth, Andrew. We don't have one. I, I don't I don't fully disagree with you. I also don't know that that's going to be a priority in January either. I think I think the biggest priority for this team in January is going to be to to 
honestly to ensure that the, they have enough center backs that they want to be able to play this system with because I'm not sure that they do right now. How many windows do I have to pretend like I can get excited about a center back being our prime signing? <laughs> until, we, until we get enough of them to play three three center backs? I mean, I guess. I just I, You're trotting Ben Davies' happy ass out there and trying to get me excited about it, even though he probably had the best day out of all three of those center backs. He, he probably yeah, did. He did. Right. I mean, we're realistically looking at a side where we're asking Eric Dyer to play the top center back and not get beat behind. And it's like, fuck, have you ever watched Eric Dyer play football? Of course that guy's going to get beat behind. And mm. it happened three times today. But if this so, team's like, going to continue to if this team's going to continue to not have someone to progress the ball through the middle of the field, they're going to need to play defense. <laughs> I mean, how gonna is need- Joe Rodon going to play worse than Eric Dyer? How do you I not move Cody Romero in there? Like, I, how does how is Fucking Jaffa Tanganga going to play worse than Eric Dyer if you move Cootie to the middle. Then Cootie doesn't get that card, and you don't see Cootie running forward uh, trying to overlap because Royale isn't, to Scott's point. And you're going, I I literally looked at that. I was like, what in the fuck are you doing? Mm -hmm. And I have no problems with my center backs getting forward, Andrew, but it's like, yeah, that's not his job in that moment. And and it was, it looked, we looked out of sync. It, It sucked. I was not happy. By the way, Christian Romero, one yellow card away from a, a one-match ban, which we know he'll probably pick up in the next match because that's what he does. And and Oliver Skip is now suspended for the next match against Leeds yeah. because he picked up his fifth yellow today. And, of course, if you go back, back to Thursday, Cudi Romero will be suspended for the next Europa Conference League match because he picked up that red card. So And it was another um, suspect yellow card for Ollie Skip. By the way, three of those five yellow cards for Ollie Skip are absolute fucking suspect. And if you go back and look at them on review, you would be like, that's a joke. Oh, no. The yellow he picked up today was fully deserved. It was fully earned. It was a tactical foul late in the match. Um, trying to stop you're right. You're right. I, I'll, give you, I'll, I'll give you that. I remember the breakaway. But he did get ball first. I mean, you call it what it is. It was tactical. But. Yeah, it was. It was for sure. Um, guys, I um, I guess, where do you want to go next from here? I mean, you, you talked a little bit about the transfer stuff. I guess the other the other thing would be, what is the, is, is this the preferred 11? Is this a Oliver Skip, Pierre-Emil Hoybier midfield? Or are things going to change after the international break? Because at this point, I, I don't know. Like we, we I, I know we saw this eleven from the first two matches with Conte, but is he going to be able to take the break and figure something new out going forward? Yes, because that's what he does. If you remember, he switched. And I'm sorry, Scott, to jump in on you there, but if you remember, uh, he lost his first game in charge in Chelsea, and he went to a back three, and they never looked back. He he, he it was they he started in a back four. Uh, at Chelsea, he went to a back three after his first loss, and and it was it was a game changer. They won the league. It was literally a league changing move. Conte obsesses when it comes to his squad, and he will sort this out. We have some players on this team. Yes, we need to make some changes. Yes, we needed a, a, a few. There are a few glaring holes in this squad, Andrew. But I think in terms of a way to conjure wins in the Premier League, I think we're an international window away from a different Tottenham. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I think the only changes you're going to see into, until we make any signings, I do think you'll see Romero shift to that central center back position eventually. I think Dyer's there now um, out of familiarity, and um, and you know, 
Cootie will, will, will bet in and, and be a great option there. I don't know if that means dire slides to the right or if you see a Rodon or a Tanganga, right? Because I, I actually, I don't, do I think we can upgrade our center backs? For sure. Do I think it's like a dire situation? I, I don't. I mean, I think I think Ben Davis's best position on the field is left center back, right? Um, I think eventually Tanganga can be a fantastic right center back, right? So I think that um, we're okay there. I would much rather see us invest to Todd's point in an attacking midfielder. So really the only changes I would expect are to see Tongi maybe start a little bit more, you know, as he continues to win the manager over and, and a Lucas drop or something like that. But Skip is the most important piece. You can't play this formation without Skip. We don't have anyone else to do it. Um, I would love, I would actually, this is going to be harsh and hard. Todd won't like it. And and I know I said PEH would be a huge benefactor of Conte's, but I think we can, we can upgrade PEH, you know, in this formation. And I think to, to Todd's point about Kessier, I think that that might be who we have our eyes on to do that. Um, you know, he is a very good box to box midfielder and has ties to Paratici and, um, you know, is, is coming up on a free. So I think, uh, I, I, I think, you know, that's probably our biggest immediate upgrade if we're not going to go buy a cam. But ultimately, I don't think you see any changes until until we bring some folks in other than a Tongi for a Lucas. Yeah, I I mean, I kind of tend to agree that if if they're going to if they're not going to go with a, a true central attacking midfielder ahead of those two guys, if they want to progress something through the middle, um, only one of them can play. And and for me, I think weirdly enough, I think it is, I think it has to be both of them at times, but I think it has to be mainly skip um, over PEH at this point, because P, mainly just on form. I mean, PEH just hasn't played as well as skip, which is a weird thing to say, because I don't think it's something that we would have expected um, too long ago. Uh, want to welcome in Shuban who's joined us uh, in, in, in the pod studio. Shuban, what's your take on this? Um, you know, we've been talking about the the preferred eleven and Conte's first two uh, 11s that we've seen that were the same. Um, you know, what what different can be done after the international break? I think a world of difference. He hasn't got games. He has time to look at his squad. It's a lot harder because a lot of his squad are internationals, so therefore he will have a limited amount that will benefit some players over others. That's just the way things are. Um, you've seen, I think, if you guys don't remember. Eric Dyer many years ago actually asked to stay back rather than be called up for, I think, U21's duty. He said, look, I am being asked to play in defensive midfielder, which is different to how I normally play. So would you mind if I stay away from the U21s and just focus on my club career a bit more? And apparently that caused a rift, I think, between him and Southgate at the time, which may affect his England career later. It didn't, because obviously we, 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 we'll never know. For me, there's a reason why I think we've seen so many sackings in around the international break. You need the time without the worry of games and everything else of being able to look at your players. I mean, right now, Conte knows these guys on the basis that he's coached against them. That's how he knows them. Whether it be Romero, who's obviously going to coach against him when he was enter, or basically what, what Son and all the other players that are still at Tottenham, and he would have coached against us when he was um, at um, Chelsea. And I think maybe Lucas might have joined us. I don't I think Lucas might have joined us for what, six months or something. So he wouldn't have really known Lucas, and Lucas wasn't paying for that much at the time. For me, I think he'll make some changes. I think he'll look at, okay, then, 
I can go with a 3-4-3 or I can drop, say, one of the strikers and add an extra midfielder. What will that give me? For me personally, I think, I don't remember who his setup was. I think it was Hazard, Costa, and I think it was either Willian and Pedro or Pedro on the other side. So obviously, look, Hazard, I think he wasn't, he wasn't player of the season that year, but he was very, he's definitely a contender. He was just that good that season. Um, Costa scored a bang, bang on the goals. Fabregas was the, his passer in midfield. And the reason Fabregas was his passer in midfield is you had Kante who could do the work of three players. That's why you had, and I think Matic was there as well, I think, if memory serves. Matic was there as well. So you had Matic and Kante, and so, or either or, and they could fill the void, you know, and they could allow Fabregas to do what he did best. So he's still figuring things out. I personally, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I know, I don't want to say because a big ill of the Viking while my um, <laughs> while PC's there. But mm. I think personally, I would like the fact that you know what, if I'm Skippy and I'm thinking, oh my god, if I don't put in a shift in, I better put a shift in. Otherwise, you know, you know, the player that has been really highly rated can take my place, and that's what you want in competition. If I'm Sunny. I'm thinking, do you know what? If I don't put a shift in, Lucas or Stevie B could take my place. If I'm Geo uh, or Tongi, I'm thinking, I better put a shift in if I'm in there. Because if I don't, I know that I look on the bench, someone can take my place. The only person that is kind of, I suppose, not immune, I guess, but he's probably Reggie because we have no quick left the wing back because Sessignon is permanently at casualty. Or Yeah, what's the story there? I mean, to see Doherty come on as left wing back, I got an LOL out of Andrew by saying it couldn't be worse than how he played it right back. But um, like to see him come on at left wing back really kind of lets you know exactly how bare the cupboard is on that side. What's the story with Sessignon? Do we know? Well, I think I saw – I did see him play against um, Chelsea Reserves at the Lamex. This was – I think he, then he got injured again. But I think one of the things we, – we, we talk about the 3-4-3. We talk about Conte and everything else. But what we forget is he transformed Victor Moses, who was basically a very middling player, didn't really feature that much under Jose, didn't, never really featured that much under any of the managers. But he made him an integral part because without Jose, without, I'm sorry, Moses as the, as the right wing back, none of that worked. So I think what we need is coaching. So there will be players that are going to be asked. I mean, if you look at, say, he's not one of my favorite players, but I say Ashley Young. Ashley Young went from being a second striker to being a left winger to being a left wing back for England. And that's how he got into the World Cup on the basis of the fact that basically um, at the time, Southgate didn't trust Luke Shaw. There was either Danny Rose or it was Ashley Young because he and couldn't trust Con- Luke Shaw at the time. And Conte turned him into a Serie A winner last year. Yeah. So that's the thing. I think for me personally, you've got to look at Conte has got, I think, was it? five coaches or something, some stupid like free fitness coaches. So I think, I don't know what our running stats are. I'm not a stats guy. I think that's Dakota's kind of thing. But I'd be interested to see what the stats are for this game compared to what we've been for pre-Conte. If that makes any sense? Sure. And I think that would be interesting to see how we can do that. Because I think, obviously, the shots and goal is, a, is an issue. And I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, this is a guy that basically said to, Conte, to um, Costa, I'm replacing you with Alvaro Morata. You're off. That's it. Now, maybe not the best way of you know dealing with people, but 
I'm not saying he'll do that to Harry Kane, but Harry Kane has been for the last seven, eight years, he's been the prodigal son. And and rightly so, he's 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 earned his status. But here's the thing: if you stop being that, you get dropped. Deli Ali went from it was a wonderkin for three years, an absolute wonderkin. And then 1819, he started to fall off, and he's not really regained that status. And guess what? We've had four different managers, and they, for whatever reason, aren't playing him. You have to. I've always said, and I still stand by this now. What made Pochettino's best signing wasn't actually 2015. wasn't Sonny. It wasn't Trippier. It wasn't Deli Ali or whoever. I think was it Kevin, the German guy. <laughs> I personally thought it wasn't that. I think the best trans tactical move was to be in Adebayor. The best thing David Moyes has done is to bid Jack, is, is, is to bid get rid of Jack Wilshere. Because he goes, you know what? I'm not wasting my energy with you, but you can't give me what I need consistently. So, so who do we have to get rid of, Shoots? Um, well, Conte is the godfather. I'm sure there's some kind of mafioso themes that we're going to be going on right now. Right. So I, I, think, I, think, I think we should ask Luca Brasi who's going to be sleeping with the fishes or something. I don't know. <laughs> but, but I'm thinking, but I'm just saying is that you have to be able to, one of the strings, I, don't think, I think Todd, you spoke about this, I think, but, but I think when we sold Toby and we got rid of Lamella, I can't remember what is it, exactly what you said, but you said, look, you have to be ruthless and say, do you know what? Thank you for your time. I think, you, I think your exact words were, thank you for your time. Please kindly fuck off. I think those were your words. I don't remember. but <laughs> no, it's, Or get fucked somewhere along the lines. You're absolutely correct. It was that sentiment, though. We really appreciate the effort. Thank you for your service. Get fucked. Uh, kindly get fucked, of course. But, I mean, you're absolutely right, man. If you look at You look at the most successful teams in any sport across the world, and what it boils down to is knowing when to get rid of players and doing it in a timely fashion when you've gotten the most out of them, because ultimately the, as, as much as we hate to look about this, ultimately it's a, these players are commodities as Daniel Levy is looking at them. They, they have a, a, a number over the top of their head. And if they're not producing at the level of that number, then you're getting an inverse return on that player. You got to move them forward. And the problem is, is that we have too many players on our squad that are giving us inverse returns and we haven't been able to move them on. So you're absolutely right, Shuban. When it comes to moving on on, on cats like Toby and, and bidding off Sissoko for three million to Watford and getting rid of uh, of Lamella, um, which how is he doing? By the way, have we regressed to to standard Lamella? Is he injured and kind of featuring here and there for them? I Do we know? I watched Sevilla games, hoping that he's going to start. He's always on the subs bench. But he, 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 but like I said, I mean, I don't, I mean, obviously D's, D, D knows Sevilla pretty well, but yeah. I think ultimately you players end up moving on. And I think, I think I've always said Alex Ferguson is the best manager I've ever saw because if you look at the players he got rid of, apart from, apart from the one that he had to sell because they offered him a stupid amount of money for Cristiano Ronaldo, none of those players really did that well once they left him. I mean, I, mean, I, I know David Beckham won the league title with um, um, Real Madrid, but he had a very, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't exactly showering glory when he was those four years. He was at Real Madrid. Yapstam, I think he did. I, don't know, he, I think he did made on a right Milan. Same with uh, Van Nistelrooy. I mean, he. I mean, Alex Ferguson. The first thing he did was McGrath. Your knees are no good. You're too much of a drinker. I'm moving you on. Strachan, you're too old. I'm moving you on. And that's what he did. He was ruthless. Even Roy Keane, who he fought tooth and nail to get back in 1990. 
I think 92 and 93. I think it was 92. Mm-hmm. And he pitched, and, and that soured his relationship with Dalgleish for years. He, when, when, when Roy Keane was getting too big for his boots and saying stuff he shouldn't be doing and not whatever, he had no problem saying, that's it, you're gone. And this is a man that won many titles. One was one of the main reasons that United were that the dominant force they were. I mean, you've got to say how good Keane was at that period. That, over those it six, seven years, he was just a machine. And but say, look, do you know what? You're not doing it for me. Now, Alex Ferguson got it wrong. He got it wrong many times. He brought in Cleveson, David Bellion, all kinds of crappy players. But he was able to regenerate his team. And any yeah, anyone makes some mistakes. I think personally, um, I hate to agree with Dakota, so hopefully he won't be listening to this. But for me, I think <laughs> let let I think personally, I think we should go to the bat three because I think in Romero, he's got a temper. Romero's gonna be our Ramos. He's going to get himself sent off so many times. If he, has, if he starts adding penalties, he'll definitely be our Ramos. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But he, he's, he, he's the kind of guy that like, honestly he can get – he can be in a room by himself. And get, the best way I can describe it, there's a certain podcaster that, that um, Scotty knows that he could, be in a, he could be in a room by himself and somehow manage to have an argument with, with himself. Scotty knows who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Scotty knows who I'm talking about. Yeah. And Ram, Romero is that kind of guy. And I, love, I love that guy, by the way. I love – I love – yeah, you know, I love my, I love that scony jumping to bits. That's what I'm saying. And Romero, we need that. We need a bastard. We need someone who's going to do that. He'll get into a fight. He'll probably punch someone. That's going to happen. Resilience, apparently. Shuban, to the point you made earlier about about the wingbacks, though, I, I think that that's actually crucial. The coaching point, like mm-hmm. Conte has been here less than a week. He's going to have the opportunity to actually get his hands on and mold Sergio Reguilon and Emerson Royale. And maybe, who knows, maybe Ryan Sessignon, if he can ever um, be healthy and, and, and do that long term. And even to an extent, I think Matt Doherty, which is weird to say because I don't really want to see Matt Doherty on the pitch, but maybe Antonio Conte can get something out of that guy. I don't know. Um, Nuno certainly couldn't, which is weird because he got something out of him at Wolves. But for like wing- five years, <laughs> right? But the wingbacks are crucial, and 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 that's that's Scott's point earlier. You need the wingback becomes the most crucial part of this system, and Conte knows how to coach them. And I'm going to give him the time and the and the leeway to do that. Or if he feels like these these guys that are that he's starting right now aren't the guys to do it, I'm going to give him the time and the and the wherewithal to bring in new guys that he thinks and, and sees fit. However, all of that has to be said and it has to be brought in with the caveat of you can't, you still can't abandon the mid of midfield. You, you still can't just play Hoybier and skip in front of a back three and everybody defends like crazy and hope that son and Kane produce all your goals because that's not, that's not going to win you games. That's going to maybe from on occasion, get you a nil nil draw away to, to Everton like it did today. But that's not going to go out, have you going out and scoring two, three goals a game and winning games and getting three points on a regular basis. That's going to take a lot more from a progression standpoint, from an offensive attacking, flowing football standpoint. Then you know, and, and you can't just abandon the midfield. I think we Can saw we... Juventus. They had, um, I think there was a game. They basically their whole their whole thing was pass the ball to Ronaldo, and that's it. And it was basically right. ten players plus Ronaldo. We've become nine players. Plus Son and Kane, and I think we need to become a team of eleven yes. players. You're, so to that end, and I agree. To that end, can we get Quadrado from Juventus? 
or just thinking about him, man. Or Hakimi. Can we get Hakimi? If we could get Quadrado, funny enough, he I don't know, he he's not a wing back by by trade, you know, throughout his career and became a very good one, right? And um, you know, I think we have I think we have guys on our team who have similar qualities to him. Um, you know, as, as much as as much as saying shit like Bergvine's our wing back is like super video game, it's also like maybe a possibility. You're um, right. you know, uh and a lot of times I would just I would kind of laugh that off, right? And and just say again, this is real life, but I think having somebody who does have some some attacking prowess like a Bergvine is is something to consider because it, honestly, the second we signed Conte, I said in the chat, my one glaring concern is right wing back. That's it. I think we have left wing back covered. I think we have some work to do there in, in Reggie and Zest, but right wing back is my concern because Emerson is a right back. He is not a wing yep. back. Yep. And and as much as people want to say, oh, he's athletic. Well, sure. Like being an athlete does not mean you're you're good at playing one twos and dominating the flank in the final third because it's a very challenging thing to do, right? So that we we've got to get that figured out because I'm just I can I could talk for ten hours and I'm just going to keep going back over and over and over about how the wing back play until it's where it needs to be. We're not going to be happy enough with what we're seeing. Like when we say things like we're just we're lobbing the ball up to Kane and hoping for the best, like you're not wrong, but that's also not exactly what's happening. Like today there was a plan, right? It's just going to take more than five days again. I keep saying that too, right? But I mean it like it's not it's not chuck and pray at this point. There is clearly a plan. We just have to get the wingbacks figured out or it's not going to work ever. We're just executing it poorly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know what? You spoke about um, the wingbacks in terms of athleticism. I was at the Chelsea – I was watching the Chelsea – remember the Chelsea game when I think Ericsson put those two crosses in? They were both identical. It was basically Walker bombing up, Ericsson got popping into a little pocket of space, and then basically their job was literally just stretch the pitch, quickly somehow get the ball to Ericsson. And what Ericsson had – better than any of the other other players, is he can make a decision and do something with the ball quicker than any other other players. Mm-hmm. Yep. We One of the best decision makers have, I've ever seen on the pitch. It's, it's incredible. We, don't have, we have players who either make really bad decisions or they dilly-dally way too long. Sorry if I use a very bad English term, but No, no. You're, you're, right. you're, you're spot on, Chris. You're spot on with that. That's, Perfect. That's the, that's the Lucas Mora problem. That's the, that's the Deli Alley problem. That's the Deli Alley problem. That's you, the Tongi took, problem. Took, took, took the words out of my mouth. It's the Tongi problem to an extent, too. You're right. I think Tongi gets away with it. He makes better decisions. Yeah. I think he, he gets does. away with it because he has a skill set that allows him to. Exactly. More so than those other guys. But, well, but you're right. Like, the Dilly Dallying well, has to stop. Well, Tongi, Tongi, this is what will happen with Tongi. Like, he's the best option we have. But he'll do like three step overs and have the whole bar like cheering. Meanwhile, he's not moving the ball forward, right? Yeah, when, when he could just make way. a simple pass. Like he, that's the Emerson like, Royale. He's got everybody on a string, right? It's like just fucking move the ball, Tongi. I said it a couple episodes ago. Like I don't need that flair. It's great to see, but like it's not required at all, right? Just move the ball. Um, and that's all we need from him, right? And so I think we got to work that out. Now you do need someone to hold the ball up a little bit more. When you're using a three-four-three and and using wingbacks, we've talked about that, right? But Erickson thrived in a three-four-three. We saw it over and over. So you don't need to hold the ball up at all. That's not what I'm seeing either. But I think Tongi's a little more more suited to it. But fuck, man, I'm have have we ever done an episode where I didn't say we've never replaced Erickson and that's our biggest problem? 
No, I it's say because it we don't episode. replace like for likes. We didn't replace fucking Kyle Walker. We didn't replace yeah. Musa Dembele. Like we yeah. don't replace like for like. And it's the reason why we don't have a backup striker right now. I mean, yeah. guys, part of the problem with that too is that the, I mean, I'll just take the, the players you just mentioned, Todd. You know, you, you can't really replace Kyle Walker because there's no one like him for for pace down the right side. You can't really replace Musa Dembele because there's no one like him for the way he carried the ball and and defended at the same time. And you can't really replace Christian Eriksen because he's such a unique player with a unique skill set. Like that, I those are hard players. Those are hard players to, tr- to to replace like for like. I agree with the last sentence. Those are hard players to replace like for like, but I don't agree that you can't really replace them because you can, because there's players all over the world that are ranked higher than those players at their individual positions. And there's a reason why nobody like the streets will never forget Musa Dembele, but there's a reason why manager after manager, after manager of the Belgium side, he didn't play him. And so, I mean, the thing is, is that that guy came up as a cam. I mean, you're, I mean, you're, you're, you? you're, you're right, but you're also talking about a different sport when you're looking at international football. In, in, I, I'm, in I'm not saying that you're wrong. Versus. I'm just saying that there's a reason why he, he languished at, at Fulham before he came to us. It's because, you know, these players had a, had a finite amount of, of, of things to offer us. And, and when yeah. that time, when that window was over, that window was over. The reason why I bang on about Erickson and about Kyle Walker specifically is because when they left us, they went on to success. They sure. went on to better things. And Kyle Walker specifically is the one that chaps my ass because it's clear that he's the best right back in the country. And we knew that in him leaving, we were going to have to go out and get the best right back somewhere. And we bought fucking Serge Aurier. Well, the, here's the other thing, though. They also brought Kieran Trippier, who is underappreciated as, as a well, Trippier was I, there long before. I mean, Trippier was there for three years before Kyle Walker r- left. Right, right. But he's the guy who really replaced kyle walker in 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 the short term like he's but the in the pochettino system he never really did because I, they asked we asked for pace he asked for right. the opposite of Danny Walker. but i just I, no no you're fine i just I, I the only other point i was going to make is I, I i can't i can't use the international thing too it's the same thing that people always say about pierre Emil hoybier like, like they they want hoybier to be able to progress the ball like he does for denmark and that's just not who he's still. going to be in the in the premier league like no. i i'm i'm actually like anytime i hear someone say well, Hoybier can progress the ball. He does it for Denmark. I, I would just want to smack them upside the head because this is Tottenham. It's not Denmark. It's a totally different same. thing. And it's it's practically a different sport when you're looking at a, a Premier League team versus an international team. So I just guys they've been playing point. together since they were like six years old. Exactly. So, yeah. I so I I just wanted to I just wanted to, to make that point. Shuban, go ahead. Take us home. I was gonna say go I was gonna say, do you know what you said? You can't replace that. I think you can. I mean, let's face it. So th- at one point, David Beckham was one of the best right wingers in the country, if not Europe. And somehow, within about a year, two years, I think we replaced him. Some some geezer called Cristiano or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah then oh, for years, Stam was like a hugely huge part of the defense. Within a couple of years, we replaced him with Vidic. He wasn't a name. No one knew who Vidic was. And Vidic was a was a mainstay for United for United for years. Rio Ferdinand says that you know what, having Vidic was more, probably my best partner in defense. So you're I think, also you're also talking about Manchester United replacing but, you know yeah. Yeah, Ronaldo, saying, with, Ronaldo with the, Beckham versus the thing is, they got it wrong they got it wrong a lot of times they got it right but what I'm saying is it's about the scouting it's about the coaching it's about yeah. working with players and I think what the problem we've had is that whatever reason I mean I I guess definitely that thing that Paul Mucci went really helped because you had two guys who knew each other very well and there was trust between the two. 
you know what I'm saying? I mean, I can't remember who the guy was before. Was it Baldini or something? Now, Baldini and Pochettino, they had this weird video where they hugged and it was, looked so fake. And within about a year, Baldini was gone. And in, in, and in his place came in Mitchell, who Pochettino wanted. Paratici, Parat Paratici, how you say it, he, he's worked with um, 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 Antonio Conte before. Now, it just didn't always work. Conte said, you know, I need this player, I need this, this, this player. I was like, I can't do one in the Champions League. He left. A year later, Allegri came in and they made the Champions League final. So I'm not saying Conte gets it right either. And it's about making those decisions, about getting it right. And, and it wasn't just, I mean, I, I'm, I'm hoping, do you know what? I mean, hopefully Scotty can sort it out. But I'm hoping during the international break, we can get Dave from DM, DM Juve. Because he, he'll, he'll, he'll know a lot more about Conte than we will. And I think it'd be interesting to see what, what his analysis would be on him. Yes, that's certainly something we can explore, uh, guys. Let's um, you know, we've 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 gone on and on about about the, the the Conte of it all in these first two games, but we haven't really talked a ton about Thursday's match, and we haven't really talked about a ton about the Europa Conference League. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break, and we'll come back, and we'll do that right after this. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back into the Tottenham Depot. Uh, Thursday saw Spurs see off Vitesse 3-2 at home in the Europa Conference League. And guys, this was a weird match. Um, Spurs, were up, <laughs> Spurs were up 3-0 within 30 minutes and uh, gave up to before halftime uh, and then had to kind of hold on for dear life. Christian Romero picked up a stupid second yellow card uh, about 59 minutes in and then... Um, some subs were made and some other shit happened. And then all of a sudden they found themselves up 10 men to nine by the end of the match um, and held on. But, but this result gives Spurs kind of a, a, a nice little edge going into the final two matches of the group stage to at least qualify for the next round. Um, they are looking good on seven points through four matches, still trailing ran by tight by three points, but uh, ahead of the test now. And, you know, with Murrah up next in the conference league, uh, who have not won a match, uh, you would think that, that Spurs can can tack on three there and and maybe get the better of Wren in the home leg, uh, in the final leg. So uh, what did you guys see from, you know, from this match on Thursday? Of course, it was much to do Conte's first match and, you know, a lot going on. But um, I, I, like this, this was this was just a like it was almost like a a cocaine match for me. It was like, like so much happening and it was just like inject the, the Conte cocaine into my into my veins at this point. Um, it was a very, very weird game to sit down and watch and, and actually realize that Antonio Conte is at Spurs now and this is you know it's certainly not what he wanted to to, to see. It was a little bizarre. But um, you know, Todd, what was your main takeaway from, from Thursday? Well and like cocaine, it uh, leaves you with a headache and a terrible taste in your mouth the next day. Um, yeah. what I would say <laughs> is that uh <laughs> Uh, this fucking trash can competition just is the gift that keeps on giving. Man, uh, it, it's it, it's something where I was really excited that uh, that's Antonio Conte's first game and not today. 
Um, so I was super thankful for that. I was excited to get a win in a competition. I was excited for Lucas Moore to score a very clean goal. Um, I was excited to see the fact that Golini uh, probably won't get – I think Conte hit his goalkeeper gloves and he doesn't get to find him. <laughs> He's gotta like he's gotta go through some sort of escape room style scavenger hunt in order to get his gloves back because <laughs> he damn sure isn't gonna see the pitch. And actually, you know what? He'll probably see the pitch against Mura. Uh, because it wouldn't surprise me if Conte tries to run Ryan Mason out there. I mean, this is this is in goal in goal. In, in goal, maybe. You don't know. Uh it's it's one of those things where uh I don't know. Mira has been the whipping boy of this competition. It's just, it's something where I hope Dane Scarlett, I hope, I hope he doesn't go full Nuno, but pretty darn close to Nuno. And like, like we don't see anybody who played today play on Thursday sort of thing. Um, because Whoa. I don't know. What's up? Buddy? Yeah. Sorry not to cut you off, but like I, you you know, we don't even have to go like full Nuno, but like what you're saying, I agree with, right? We can eat, but we can like throw Tanganga at right center back and throw Joe Roden out there in the middle of the back three, right? And see what those boys can do because we need to start figuring sure. that out too. So if Sessegnon was healthy, God, it'd be perfect, man, to give him a, a, a run at left wing back, right? I think I you can maybe try Bergvine at, at right wing back if you wanted to. Um, there's a lot we can do against Murrah for sure. Yeah, no, I agree. So, in, in, in just kind of thinking about Vitesse, like, and just kind of where this sits in the competition, like, as you mentioned on a previous podcast, like, the, the only benefit in this competition is finishing first in your group. So, unless we think that Vitesse is going to pick some points off of Ren, like, this game is just kind of whatever for us. Uh, and, and that's just kind of where we're at at this stage of the game. Yeah, the, the the real test then comes in the in the return leg for Ren. Um, yeah. You know when they come back, and 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 Spurs would have them on goal difference as long as nothing crazy happens. Um, they would just need to go in and win that final game against Ren to, to pass them. And you're right for for those who don't know, there is a big difference between finishing first and second in your group. Both advance, but if you finish in first, you actually bypass a a qualification round. If you finish second, you have to face a team that drops from the Europa League uh, in the first knockout round. So kind of a kind of an important deal to finish first in your group in the conference league rather than second um it's not just be satisfied in qualifying um because you well, don't want to you don't have to face a better competition you know dropping from the europa league and an yeah. extra round more importantly an extra round in europe yeah yeah no doubt and i think one thing that's awesome about this the whole conte bid for for this competition is if like if if i'm if i'm ren's manager i'm looking at us under nuno and and firmly believing I can go and win this group, right? But now you got to go play an Antonio Conte side and that changes everything, right? So just the mental aspect of, of what Conte being our manager does to our opponent, be it this stupid fucking tournament or the Premier League, right, is a real thing. Um, and uh, it should help us tremendously getting through this group in first place, right? Yeah, you would think so. Sh- Shuban, what are your thoughts on this conference league, where it stands right now and – and kind of what happened on Thursday, like I said, it was kind of the the cocaine cockerel, if you will, um, f- f- from what well, I saw. There was a lot of excitement when Conte was coming. I mean, he saw the Italian flags. A friend of mine who owns a, the pie mashup, he made a meatball marinara pie in honor of Conte becoming our new manager. That's how, how, how crazy it got. That sounds delicious. Um, it, it does it, sound it, delicious. Um, I don't know. I haven't tasted it yet, so I'll let you know. But... Um, for me, I think if you want to say what is Spurs, you saw basically Spurs warts and all. Do you know what I mean? 
And um, you know, he he if he didn't know the scale of the problems, he got a first-hand look at them. You know what I'm saying, but to be totally fair, I think if you look at Jose when he took over, was it was it West Ham or something? We I think we scored a couple of goals and then we conceded, and yep. so he saw that as well. And the problem Jose had is he couldn't figure out how to deal with that. He couldn't work further on out. Um, and I think that will be and Nuno clearly couldn't figure it out because he wasn't able to. That's why we ended up looking at we ended up firing him. I think Conte will be again given that poison chalice. Can you figure out how you know we seem to be able to score goals, but then suddenly we drop off? Could be a fitness thing, could be a game management thing. It's a tall, tall, you know, tall order. I mean, for me, I think one of the things that we forget was that when Conte first came to Chelsea, he was only coaching in the league. He didn't have to worry about European competition. Yep. And that changed that changes quite a few things in terms of the amount of time you have with the players and everything. Well, and the biggest knock on Conte period tubes is that he is obsessive and he struggles being a two a two match a week manager. He struggles in Europe. He he has been uh you know, he, he failed to get in or out of the uh qualifying rounds of the champions or out of the group stages of the champions league. And I mean that can't go unnoticed. That was always the biggest knock on him at Juve as well. So, I mean, he's very much an obsessive guy. He's a guy that wins a league title everywhere that he goes. But, I mean, that's definitely his priority and something we need to consider. No, that's a, that, those are great shots. Do you, do you think that Conte – it's interesting. You I, Something you just said, Todd, kind of kind of hit me, that, that Conte struggles as a, as a two-match-a-week manager. Like, do you think that comes down to his training tactics and how much he runs his players and – how much he wants to drill them constantly. And a lot of what we've heard with Conte is that, that, that guys get kind of run down, not only physically, but mentally by him. Um, and that's why a lot of his, his managerial stints end up being on the somewhat shorter end is because players with the, with the constant drilling and, and just oh, like the same thing, the repetitive nature of it over and over again. Do we think that that has anything to do with that or, or, you know, because, because look, we we've also well, heard greatness is demanding, Andrew. I don't I don't know what you want me to say. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know that, Todd. I don't <laughs> I don't I don't know what 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 greatness is. So I wouldn't know what it demands. <laughs> Great greatness is demanding, man. I, and I and I you you look at any sort of um, I don't know. Look at look at Belichickian fallouts. Look at uh, the the Bill Winningtons of the world. You know, people that maligned Michael Jordan in in his obsessive way of uh, of focusing on winning. Like greatness takes a toll, and you know, sustainable greatness is one of the most elusive thing in sports for a reason. Uh, being able to balance a good time with kicking ass every week is a struggle. Um, and I don't know how you build that when, I mean, I look at Antonio Conte in like, if you told me that that man could unhinge his jaw and eat people whole, I would be like, yeah, I fucking completely believe that. Like, <sighs> like the guy is an absolute predator in everything that he does. Like, and so to, to, to ask like, does that wear on folks? Well, fuck yeah, that wears on folks. Uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know how you could expect it to be any different anywhere that he goes. The, the yeah. other good thing, though, is if he was going to unhinge his jaw, we would know that he would at least look good doing it because those suits are just impeccable. Listen, if you've, if, if you've 
time in Italy, and Shuban, I, I'm pretty sure you can back me up on this. You understand that even the, the busboy or the barista that is going to take your order is absolutely on the side a, a, a Dolce & Gabbana model. It's ridiculous. Everyone is well-clothed in, in Italy. It, it blows my mind. So Antonio Conte wearing some of the cleanest suits in the Premier League, standing next to Rafa Benitez, who looks like a goddamn Monopoly piece. It was ridiculous today. I, I was, I, uh, I was ready for Benitez to pull out his pocket watch. It was fantastic across the board. Uh, well, and and honestly, I think with Conte too, you know, I think a lot of the criticism that we've highlighted his failures in Europe, right? I, I mean, and you guys all get this. I'm just talking into the void here out loud, but. To expect somebody to win the league in the fashion that he does consistently and be competitive in Europe is just being greedy as fuck, right? It's There's a reason if you win both the Champions League and the league in the same year, you're going to be talked about for decades, right? So I think with this guy, um, there's a good chance that he is going to focus on the league because honestly... He probably saw what was happening at Spurs and saw some major parallels to every job he's ever taken, right? Um there's an opportunity for him to take half a season and just figure this the fuck out. And if we don't happen to be in Europe next year, well, hooray. He has an opportunity to be fully invested in the Premier League, right, with some key pieces and a Paratici who will know how to get them in, right? There, there's a lot of grumblings, like I said earlier, that, that Kessier has already signed a pre-contract with Spurs. And now. it's totally believable because of Paratici, right? paratici has been going after this guy for three seasons now. So there's a line there. There's rapport. Um and then it also sounds like Brozovic could be interested in Spurs on a free. And if you get those two guys on a free next season and you have Skip and, and Brozovic um, as your as your defensive sitters, you know, that would complement one another and, and play opposite each other. And then you have Kessier and Hoiberg to do the same exact thing. You know, you you, ha- you have four really solid midfielders there and Gio can just get bent and go to River Plot or something. I'm not sure, but 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 I think we're going to have to get those. And sorry, Gio, I'm sure you're a great dude, but it's just not working. But I think, you know, if, if we can just get a couple key pieces in and don't happen, don't happen to be in Europe next year, I think Conte will feast on the Premier League. Um, so, Well, Pep has done brilliantly in the league, but since leaving Barcelona, even with Bayern and with the wealthiest club, well, no. Now, the second wealthiest club in the world now, mm. he's struggled in Europe. And the same things that have been leveled at Conte, burnout, the drilling, the repetition, have been leveled at Pep. And I never saw all or nothing, but I remember there was a sequence um, where I think he said, like, hate me, like me, I don't care, just do it. What was the I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I think it's that, I don't, I don't know what it is, but someone said to me, like, to, to win you have to be willing to punch your grandma in the face or something like that. Something someone told me something, that, that mentality. And that's the mentality winners have. I mean, I think, I think with Skip, he did some weird challenge at the, at the 90th minute or something. And I said, said that's a spirit of Jose. Mm-hmm. That's a proper Jose yeah. challenge. Yep. And that's the thing you need to have. Now, personally, I've never known a team to win. I know team I support winning in the league. Obviously, Scotty knows what it's, not, what it's like to choke a uh, you know, major final. Clearly, <laughs> sure do. I knew, I knew that. I knew that Shuban was 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 working toward fitting in an Astros lost the World Series. Uh, oh, dig right there, but... I was wondering how it was going to come down. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty yeah. impressed by it. Well done. 
it, yeah, it was it, it was a, it was a long walk around the around the corner, but it, we got there eventually. So, let's talk about the things that that Conte has won as a manager, right? So he's won the league at Chelsea the year where they didn't have to worry about Europe, and then the following year he won the FA Cup there. Mm-hmm. He won uh, he won three titles at uh, three Serie A titles at Juventus, and one obviously last year with Inter. He won a couple of Italian Super Cups, so he never won. A, a domestic cup in Italy. He never won the Italian cup or whatever their in league cup is. The super cup is, is just the winner of the Italian cup and the winner of the Serie A, right? Yeah. Community so field. yeah, that's essentially what it is. So you're looking at that going, okay, well, what can we honestly expect Andrew out I'm... of the time that he has left on his contract? Can we at Spurs saying this is the blueprint for what we've seen? Okay, fucking Inter Milan hadn't won a title before he got there. Inter Milan hadn't won a title in nineteen years. I so think we he, there's precedent. I, I think I so so it's interesting you use the word expect <laughs> because I think as Spurs fans that that's a word for me that's a little tough. I think you can hope for things, but expecting well, them is different. Well, I mean, yeah. what I'm saying is, is even if it's a good thing or a bad thing, can you expect nothing? Can you? I mean, the thing is, is that this is the hire that this is the type of hire you expect something from. You don't expect something from a Nuno hire, right? Because he's your eighth choice no. and it's fucking Nuno. But, but you I expect think something from a, from the Jose hire. Did we? Not? Oh, you mean like you mean like getting us to a cup final and then sacking him six days prior? Um, so what I'm saying I feel like is, now I feel like that was your setup that, that like, just like what Shuban just was just trying to play. I feel like I mean, you were you walk, trying to mention you, that the team sacked Jose six days before a cup final again, because there were two routes. You, there were two routes. You could have gone there and, and you let us down that road. So, you know, we are where we are. Um, sometimes the jokes write themselves, Andrew. Uh, so I mean, I think that, it, I think that you can expect this team. I think you should expect this team if they want to, to go after this Europa conference league and actually try to win it because there are not a lot of other teams Ironically enough, Jose Mourinho's Roma are and and maybe Ren actually are kind of the other two teams in this competition that would be somewhat, you know, of a of a force to reckon with. I think if you go after a club like that, I think you can expect to win it. Um, other than that, I think you can reasonably expect a run in one of the domestic cups. We're at quarterfinals um, of the League Cup already, no? Yeah, already in the mm-hmm. quarterfinals of the League Cup. You're right. And I think you can reasonably expect a, like I said, a run. I'm not saying you can expect definitively that he's going to win one of those this year. Um, because they're, they're such, you know, they're one-offs. There's such a, there's such a, um, a ran, there's a randomness to those games that, that, you know. But I think it's reasonable to expect a run, at least, in, in one or both of those cups. Now, for me, the biggest thing is always Premier League positioning. And... I think with the way that the Premier League looks this season, um, I think you can expect them to still compete for Europe, despite the fact that that you know we guys we've reached yet another international break, um, eleven matches into what's this the third fucking international break that we were facing here, eleven matches into the season, but we've reached yet another international break. Spurs sit ninth in the table on sixteen points, level on points with Wolves, um, a point back of United and Brighton which is kind of wild for, for as bad as it's been for United that they're a point back. Uh, they are, I'm going to say it, four points back of Arsenal right now who have found themselves on a quite a little bit of form. Um, and then you have the Chelsea, Man City, Liverpool, and ironically enough, after what they did today, West Ham uh, of it all to, to kind of deal with. So I don't think that they are in that top four chase right now, but I do think it's reasonable for, to expect them to chase for fifth 
and sixth and, you know, be in that competition for the rest well, of the season. I think that that's very fair. Scotty, I want to hear what you have to say on this. Um, but I agree from the jump, Andrew, top six in a trophy is what I said. And, and I think that that's legitimate. And are, um, but, are you, but are you okay with that trophy being the, the trash can that is the Europa Conference League? Because I think that's the one they well, have a better I, chance to win, even though they've already progressed to the quarters of the League Cup. Well, you say that, but I would argue this. Traveling, we don't know what's going to happen in the knockout rounds of this competition. Traveling to Kazakhstan <laughs> in February could really fuck things up for a lot of folks, right? You don't know you don't know what that experience is going to be like. They need to travel to give a fuck a stand if they want to to, to actually this, like win it. These are like, facts. Honestly. I mean, we also have you, they need they need probably, to give a fuck about it. You're probably right about the fact that that's probably the, the, the competition we have the best chance of winning. I mean, at least from the odds perspective, we do have wet spam in in the uh, in the quarters of the League Cup. Anyway, if I'm not mistaken, right? So it's yeah. it's not a it's, it's, they beat Liverpool today. It's not a fun draw. No, it's not right. a fun draw at all. So I mean, I can't can't necessarily say that we have the teeth necessary to compete in that competition at the time being because there's a lot of heavy hitters still left in. And I don't want to denigrate um, Conte's success at Inter, but he was coaching against a Juve team managed by Pirlo, who was basically his first managerial gig. It was more a case of Inter losing it than Inter was a Juventus losing it rather than Inter winning it. It's like Alan Shearer will tell everyone, yeah, I won the league title. You won the league title. He only won the league title because Eric Cantor started to kick a, kick, a, kick a guy in the face at Crystal Palace. He asked the only reason he's won the league title. If it wasn't for Eric Cantor not being in that team, they wouldn't know what they, you know, if, if he was in that team, he'd have won the league that year. That's how good he was. So for me personally, I'd like oh, to see all the way. But you know what? It's like West Ham. I remember there was a, there's a meme going around where was it Martin Noble saying, oh, we've got some good chairman in here and they're going to try and get us in the Champions League. And everyone laughed at him because it was, it was laughable. And they tried. They got into the, into the London Stadium and they went about it completely wrong for God knows how many years. And West Ham were a laughing stock. And they made they made a lot of decisions wrong, but I think West Ham also proved positive that if you get a lot of decisions right, and the like, you know, then things can work out for you. Personally, I think appointing Conte over Nuno, whether you know, was it instead of now instead of you know whenever, yes, that's a right decision. Doing it so late is a wrong decision. But it's always I've always said it's not the mistake that you make, it's what you do next that counts. So I think there were mistakes today by our players. Now, Conte could be like, oh, I'm gonna scream at them or whatever, or he can work with them or whatever. He's you know, there's mistakes that are made, it's what happens next. We January will be interesting because we know about we're gonna bring this player, that player in. Newcastle can outbid us. They can say, Do you know what? Come and loan to us, we will pay you double. What Spurs are offering you, you know, that could, that could easily happen. You know, financial fair play doesn't exist in the Premier League, and I'm sure it's that a play for Eddie Howe, though. Do you know what? <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing. I remember people being offered stupid wages to go to pay for Mark Hughes. You know, back in 2008, Kaká said, "No, I'm not going to pay for Mark Hughes. Who the, hell, who the hell is Mark Hughes?" But there are people that are willing to take enough money. Robinho clearly had no idea even when Manchester even was. But he turned up on the doorstep. Didn't work out. But ultimately, there are people that will go for the money. And that's the thing. We can look to Jeremy and say, we'll get this player and that player in. If I'm Kessie, and I'm going to think, oh, I'm going to spend, do you know what? I'm going to say to you, I'm going to say to Milan, do you know what? These guys got so much money. 
to buy me out on six months of the contract, I'll, I'll go to Newcastle for six months and earn a buck a load of money. You know, same for, for, same for Brozovic. I did the same thing as well. So we looked at January as this whole, this is going to save us. This is going to be the window that save us. I don't, I don't think it will. I think right now it's about Conte doing at the best he can with those players. Because, and you know, and you know, yes, we might do well in the League Cup, but we might end up getting Man United, Man City, or Liverpool. Right. And hopefully, well, they, you they, won't they get might... City because they're not in it anymore. Well, not so, so Liverpool or who, who was it? Chelsea is in still. That's Chelsea. that's actually where I was going to go next. Yeah, but but yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, you're um, you're right about that, and 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 I think I think that expectation though, Shuban is 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 spot on too, because I think a lot of people think, oh, well, Conte's here, Spurs are going to splash the cash, and I think Conte's here to coach the players that are here. I, I do think there will be additions, but I, I think it's also important to remember that 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 Tottenham are going to want Conte to actually coach these players as well and try to try to get something out of them, try to get something more than than the last couple of managers have. Um, and I think that's a that's a really crucial thing to kind of have. You talk about expectations and 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 those kinds of things. Todd mentioned earlier, what do you expect? I don't know what I expect, but I do expect Conte to come in and coach players like Reggian and 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 Royale and turn them into what he wants as a wingback and decide whether or not he can. If he doesn't think he can, that's that's a whole other conversation. But you know, it's it's about coaching. It's not about just going out and buying all the time. But you're right. That League Cup, who who knows at this point? I mean, the the you know you've got Arsenal on form right now. These these matches aren't until December, so it's a little a little silly to look at them now. But you've got Brent Brentford, Chelsea, Arsenal plays Sunderland, and Liverpool plays Leicester in the other three quarters. So, um, but you have to worry about getting back by West Ham, who who are really good right now too. And that's that's kind of where I sit is worry about worry about that match. Um, and worry about you know kind of the other things in front of you before you even think about that, which is it, it, it feels like it's far away, is all I'm saying. And last season, everyone's about how good Leicester are Leicester, 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 Brendan Rogers, this, 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 this. Aren't they like 12 or something? They're not doing that brilliantly. I don't know how, how well they're doing. So it yeah, can go they're, and come. They're actually, yeah, they are 12th. And but but the funny thing is, they're 12th, uh, they're one point <laughs> worse than Spurs. So like. <laughs> It, it, we're still so early in the season and everyone's so bunched up that, which is why it's also ridiculous that we're, like I said, at another international break and talking about this, but, um, but it is where we are, but, but for Spurs specifically, they don't play for another two weeks because of that break. And it's against Leeds, and they have that Leeds match. Then the Murrah match on the Thursday, then turn around and face Burnley, uh, which we all know what a, what a trip to turn. We've already had one of those this season. Uh, in in the cup, uh, we all know what a trip to Turf Moor is like. Uh, and then they face Brentford, who Brent, you know, Brentford aren't really. I mean, Brentford are 14th, but they're not really fucking around. They're not a walkover. Um, I mean, li- hey, listen, you paint this how you want to paint this. This is a favorable part of our season. It is. Okay? Mm-hmm. It so is. Call it you're that. right. I mean, we, we we need to say that because this is a well, place where we should pick up points. You're right, and Norwich is is, is not long after that. You're right. And that's why we brought Conte in when we did, and to some degree, I'm sure, right? Like, we saw what was in front of us. We also look at the League Cup and this stupid European thing we're in, and we can win both of them, potentially, and he can do that for us. I I think if we want to attack expectations, um, I think Conte was brought in with the expectation that he wins a significant trophy in the next 18 months. Um, And I don't think that's the League Cup or even the Europa Conference League. I think a Europa League qualifies there. Um, 
And that's why I think maybe we are putting a little more value in this European Conference League thing because we might not get top six, right? Um, right? But that is a route into Europa League. But here's the thing. Conte will go for the Premier League next season, and we shouldn't we shouldn't act like that's crazy. Look, here, when Okay, people forget, when he went to Juventus back in, like, whatever, 2010, 11, 12, 13, I don't remember when it was, right? Whenever it was, 2013, we'll say, they hadn't won Scudetto in a long time, and they were coming back from getting relegated to Serie B. He came into a shambolic situation, won their first Scudetto. They went on to win eight more, and then he ended that last year with fucking Inter, right? He ended that run that he started at Juventus. Inter was in a tough spot when he took them over. He he won the league. When he came to Chelsea and won the league, the season prior, they were in shambles. The club was like in disarray. He came in, settled like everything. Or whatever. Yeah, Mourinho had blown the thing up, right? And so yeah. Conte came in, settled everything down, won the league next season. Went back to Inter, like I said. Did the same thing and ended the run. So he, he was brought in with the expectation that he wins either Premier League or Europa League in these 18 months, in my expectation. like Or the FA Cup, maybe. I don't know how much we value that as an organization, but it's certainly you don't bring Conte in to win the League Cup. I mean, it's great if you do, right? And you don't bring Conte in to win the Europa Conference League, and Conte isn't taking a job for those two t- opportunities, right? But if we can snag one of those this year and then just – use that momentum to actually go and win something next year under Conte, I think it's a a very positive thing, right? So as much as I fucking laugh at both of these competitions, I'd be stupid to discount them right now from where Spurs are. Let's also be honest, though. At this point, Spurs, uh, you talk about what what, what they value. They would value a trophy at this point because they haven't had one in forever. I mean, no question about it, but but my question but would they is, value a league cup more than they would value the Europa Trash Can League? I don't know. I don't, I don't know, but 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 you put value that's on my question. Either well, of I mean, that's where we're at right now, honestly. If you think about it, because you would you rather? Ba- well, would you? Sure, dude. I would. I. I. If you guys want my honest opinion, I think that they would say go and win the Europa Conference League to make sure you're in Europa Europa League next year. Go right. in the FA Cup, and whatever happens, Premier League fucking happens because. Again, if Conte isn't dealing with the Champions League, you know, I know I say we want Europa League, right? But the more he can focus on the Premier League next season, it's not necessarily a negative thing. So whatever happens in the league happens. I think we use the rest of the Premier League season to just get things stabilized and go and win one of those trophies. So like I said, next year we can actually go compete for Premier League or Europa League. Like We're not going to be in the Champions League next year. Would you be happy with seventh in an FA Cup? Uh, probably not. This oh, season? I actually, I would be happy. I would yeah. be happy. Yes, this season. Um, this season, yeah. How fuck yeah. Yes, yes. But I really want us to be in fuck Europe. Yeah, this I season. Would. and I don't want. We just, want sacked, to, well, I mean, we just sacked a manager, Todd. We just, we just, we just sacked a a, a a manager that we hired who was our seventh choice. If they who go was win the, the Premier League this... manager of the month like two months ago. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> and no, I listen, and I and I and I was well the Premier League manager on FIFA of the month too. Like this is on. true. The, it, listen, the point is well taken. I'm just saying, like we're in a European competition right now. We're in the quarterfinals of another competition. What I'm saying is, both of those competitions fall away. We do shit in those. We get seventh overall in the league, and we win an FA Cup, which we haven't won in God. When was the last? Ninety one. Ninety one. Thirty years. Ninety one. Yeah. Ninety one. Yeah. Yeah, fuck Christ. yeah, that's a successful season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. Because, it is because winning sure. an FA Cup, does that not also get you qualification for the Europa League? 
I think if they come the 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 community the shield. Yeah. I think it does. I think it does. It does. Yeah. FA so, Cup yeah, gets you in Europa League, correct? Winning the FA Cup is a would be a massive deal for this club. I'm sorry. Like yeah. winning honestly, I'm not going to say it's a massive deal. It's a it's a big deal if you win the League Cup. It's a big deal if you yeah. win anything at this point. You know what? Now that I agree, I'm I agree. There's I'm only three trophies to, in your. In, I'm not in trying to banter yeah, either. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm being dead serious about. No, that. you're like, right, man. Especially with the FA Cup getting you into Europa League. Like, if we won the FA Cup this year, all our goals are accomplished. We're in you were in Europa League, and we've won a massive yep. trophy. And Scott, to Boom, your point done. about next season, uh, to your point about next season and going after the Premier League, guess what? That sounds to a lot of fans listening to this right now. That's going to sound hyperbolic and it's going to sound silly. It's it's fucking Tadarius to do, man. Like that's how that's yeah, exactly. that's what you that's what Fuck the yes. that's what it is. Like it's Tadarius to do. You don't just dick around and say, "Hey, yeah, we're a mid table club. We'll try to win a cup here and there." No, if you fucking sign Antonio Conte, you try to go win the Premier League. Well, like, and here's the thing. Like Conte is going to want, and yeah, I don't mean to interrupt you. I wholeheartedly agree. Conte is the type of guy who's going to walk into the locker room day one and and look at his team right now and say, if anyone doesn't think you can beat Man City, get the fuck out of my locker room now. Like, if you tr- truly don't believe that you can go win any game that you play, leave. I do not need you here, right? And that's exactly what is going to be so important to whatever happens next year if, if something crazy were to happen under him, right? Because I do think he's going to get a war chest. And I know it's a stupid term, right? But it just tends to be used. And everyone knows what I mean by that. He would not have come here if not. Like, we all have seen every job he's ever been in blow up because he didn't get what he wanted from the board, right? Paratiki knows how to handle this guy. Like, there, they, there's a reason he wasn't interested three months ago. We said, oh, shit. I said a couple episodes ago, Levy knows this next decision could be very, 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 you know, pivotal for whatever happens for him going forward. I think he threw all his eggs in the Conte basket because he really didn't have another choice, right? So I do expect him to good things to happen in the market. Now, keep in mind, we're going to have to pay $68 million for Cudi Romero, right? That's going to cost money that we haven't spent yet. If we don't sign him permanently, we're fucking the stupidest team in the world, right? At this point, we need that guy. Well, I, um, we'll see, man. We'll see. If he be, if he turns into a guy who's just going to be out there getting booked every week, I don't know. I mean, he's I, always going to be that guy, I think. But Okay, well, I, we'll, we'll, we'll see how much discipline he can learn. Yeah, and and don't get me don't get me wrong. I understand what you're saying, and and it's it's you know easy for me to just brush it off. It's very important, and Conte is going to be instrumental towards getting something like that figured out. But Conte was in the league last year. Cudi Romero was the Serie A defender of the year. Conte pays attention to those things, right? He understands how good this guy is, so he'll get it worked out. But you know, my point is, we're going to have money to spend, um, but we're not going to have as much money to spend as we, as, as we'd like to think we are because of the way the market works these days. And so, um, and it's Daniel be, our chairman. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we're going to, you know, signing these two guys on a free that we have a line to, especially Kessier. I mean, you take him over Brozovic all day, right? So if we can sign one of those guys on a free and, and, and potentially sort one of our major issues out there without paying, paying a transfer fee, um, go get a center back and, and go get an, can we please base. buy a fucking striker, Scotty? Can we oh, please buy a striker, we, please? We need we need to sign Blahovic. I I'm I really think we are, especially based on you know the fact that we have Conte. I do think him next to a Kane is ideal for a Conte front two, right? Um, you also have Sonny to mix in there. Um, Sonny can play play you know in a in more of a creative space. I think if if you give him the opportunity to do that, so we need to sign Blahovic too. But um, 
you know, I, I just firmly believe that we're going to go and make some moves in the market. There's no way Kanye Listen, comes if we're not. Andrew, I know you're skeptical right now, buddy, but Vlahovic, 12 Serie A games, eight goals, one assist, one Italian Cup game, two, two goals. So how many, I mean, how many of those goals are on penalties, Todd? Come, come on. Come on. I'm asking the question. Well, I haven't got to that page in fucking transfer market yet, dude. I think it's about half of them. Okay. Fucking bang him in, baby. I'm pretty sure it's about half of them. But guess what? You're pretty sure it's he's got you're saying that of his 10 goals, 5 of them are peace? I I read I I think I read something to that effect about a week ago. Things may have changed a little bit, but I think I think that's about accurate. Um, well, he's got guess, 3 goals in his last 2 games. So But guess but guess what? Uh, if he's going to play better than Harry Kane, which isn't hard to do right now, I'm all for it because Harry Kane has sucked. <laughs> Harry Kane, Fair man. And that's, and, and that's something that really so needs the best ball of the, the best ball of the day was from Kane across to Reggie. Tis true. Tis true. Uh, Harry Kane did have that one, that one chance, that one, one chance, but still it's been 226 minutes. Since Spurs have had a shot on goal in the Premier League, and that is what I think needs to improve. Guys, this has been a supersized edition of the Tottenham Depot. Uh, We have gone long, and that's good because we're going into international break where you know, we'll come back next week and not have a lot to talk about. So we'll be able to rehash a lot of this stuff and sort it out (laughs) in a much more, uh, you know, a much more deft way, hopefully. Um, And we will work on, you know, the Antonio Conte era and talking about it in, you know, in, in more ways than one. Uh, this has been a joy, and it's been fun, and I have thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, you can follow Shuban at the Real Shuban on Twitter. You can follow Todd at TC underscore Kasho. Follow Scott at DSM Spurs. Follow me at Aestetka. And follow the podcast at Tottenham Depot on both Twitter and Instagram. We love to get the feedback. Uh, follow us on all those spots. Subscribe to the podcast on your app of choice. Also, leave us a rating and review. And know that we are not all Americans yelling. Shuban is not American. Uh, that is that is important to note. Um, even though, and his some, voice is pretty soft. That's true. Some people do think, however, that we are just all a bunch of Americans yelling at Cloud, which you know, to some extent, we are at times, which is fine. They're not always wrong. No, not always wrong, guys. We'll be back next week for an international break edition of the Tottenham Depot. Until then, as always, come on, you Spurs. Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott Bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, who really makes this happen. Supporters make this club, and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot, and as always, come on, you Spurs.